episode 29 of the Energy Edge podcast. Hey everyone, this is Dr. Ann Bertel, and I had the pleasure of talking with Brian Paul Buckley recently on his Energy Edge podcast. And if you're not listening to that, you're losing out. It's one of my favorite podcasts. It will energize you throughout your day. You need to pop on over to iTunes and subscribe. The Energy Edge podcast with Brian Paul Buckley. Welcome to the Energy Edge podcast, where we believe if you desire to get the absolute most out of your work and life, then finding your energy edge is a must. The Energy Edge podcast will help you learn to leverage your everyday major activities into an energy advantage so you can work and live at an optimal level. So let's begin. Welcome to the Energy Edge podcast sponsored by 5MinuteEnergyKickstart.com. Three five-minute videos that help you become more productive, feel more energized, and do your best work. Go to 5MinuteEnergyKickstart.com today and download your free video series. Welcome to the Energy Edge podcast. I'm your host, Brian Paul Buckley. And today is going to be a unique, unique podcast because I have a guest co-host, Scott Maudsley. How are you, my friend? Hey, I'm doing great, man. Glad to be here. So how long have we known each other? And uh, why don't you tell us how we first met, at least your version of the story? So, Brian, listen, before I share that, I had to ask you, since you're the Energy Edge podcast guy now, does that mean you're no longer a proponent of late night ESPN Sports Center <laughs> with uh, Oreos and milk? Can you not oh, do that anymore? You had to go there. Come on, man. Come on, man. <laughs> well, ironically, that's part of our story of connecting. So why don't you, since you threw that yeah. in my face, a proponent? No. Does it happen on occasion? Well, yes, obviously, when we get together, when I'm traveling in Atlanta. So. Well, yeah, you know, it's, it's fun, Brian, because we've, uh, we've known each other a long time. Time, you know, 20, I don't know, some odd years. And uh, we met, uh, I was a freshman in college, man. Uh, we had an opportunity to do some work together uh, in Virginia. And just, uh, we were fast friends and our friendship has lasted now. Goodness, man, I guess it really has been uh, over 26 years. It's been fun to watch uh, how things have uh, evolved for you and the ups and downs and uh, to see how you're influence and impact is uh, is increasing through the Energy Edge podcast. It's just, uh, it's fun, man. So I'm honored to be a part of it. Well, I appreciate that. And you are, along with Treva, two of my closest friends that I've known longer than I've not known you. So, which is kind of cool. You know, I mean, there's a number of people that I obviously still know, but not nearly to the level of influence or, um, you know, eating each other's junk, if you will, for that period of time. Yeah, one quick story, you know, uh, Scott, you enjoyed me being off campus, being a senior and leveraging my friendships and knowing other people, which obviously you didn't really need, but it sure helped you along the way. But most importantly, to have somebody that lived off campus who you could use their car, especially for a date, uh, kick me out of my own house when you needed to and uh, eat my food and watch ESPN. But uh, awesome, awesome memories. You're a good friend. Well, I appreciate that, man. So why don't you real quickly just tell us, uh, the, help us with the professional side of you, so people know from a listening ear uh, who you are and what you got your hands into. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I, I, I like to uh, have fun and refer to myself as a deeper life advocate, but, you know, my life mission, as I presently understand it, Brian, is to connect as many people as possible to a deeper 
more meaningful life. And I've been able to do that now over 22 years. I've worked in, uh, in what we call parachurch organizations, kind of doing missions around the world. I primarily have been in a pastoral spiritual role uh, in some of uh, the, the really the greatest churches in America. I think I've been on staff at four of the top uh, 10 largest churches in the country. And uh, man, I just have had the opportunity to dedicate my life to, uh, to helping people grow, to helping people um, not just in a spiritual manner, but really holistically from emotional, physical, mental, uh, and spiritual. I'm just passionate about seeing people reach their potential. And, you know, recently I'm still connected to a great church in Atlanta called 12 Stone Church uh, as a part of the, the pastoral staff. But I also am now uh, halftime in my own entrepreneurship endeavor uh, with my company, Write One Line, where I have an opportunity to coach people on really engaging in writing in a journal. Uh, I coach people on uh, really making the most of their life uh, through mission and vision statements and uh, core values. And so, man, it's just a really fun season and helping people maximize their life. And, and of course, we really relate in that way to what your goal and passion is with the Energy Ed podcast. And, and that's why, well, obviously, just beyond our friendship, I think, you know, we have so many things that are in common. And ironically, Scott, one of the things that we often talk about is just how we work, you know, a level of productivity and production, being in the level of job and responsibility you have, and then also, you know, side gigs and entrepreneur, which obviously is going to become your full-time gig. Same with me. And uh, so I really want to dive into that because work, ironically, it's a majority of our life. It's the largest chunk of where we spend our day. And oftentimes, it's the fewest amount of thought and real thought goes into the structure that we just show up and we kind of just do the deal. And often, we don't really talk about the topic of work and break it down kind of like a, you know, a, a football game on a Monday, you know, being that uh, quarterback uh, looking back on the game on Monday. Yeah, you know, you know, Brian, many of us uh, have a good amount of control over our day, especially if we're in entrepreneurship pursuits. Um, uh, but there may be certain areas that are completely out of our control. Uh, and Good many point. business professionals, uh, you know, they have a say on what they do and when they do it. Uh, the reality is what, whether we recognize it or, or accept it or not, you know, how we work and how we use that time that we have control over dramatically affects our energy. I think maybe even far more than, uh, than we realize. You know, that's a great line, you know, that it affects our energy far more than we realize, especially on the works. It is the largest chunk of our day. And, you know, we really believe that there are three primary levels of work within many given days. And yet most of us spend more time kind of on this first level and some on the second level, but we found rarely do they hit that third level of kind of optimal productivity and an energy yeah. level. And each of these levels, I mean, they require so much more of us as you're going to hear and as we break down each of these three levels. Now, yeah. We're not going to spend a lot of time in getting in the weeds too much of this because we're really more at a strategic 30,000-foot level, kind of more of working on the business, not necessarily in the business. Yeah, absolutely, Brian. You know, one of the reasons I'm so excited to do this episode with you is that the inspiration for this uh, episode is, is a book called Deep Work by Cal Newport. And, and you and I were in preparation for this, uh, for this podcast you know, I was, I was reminding you that three years ago, I, I put together at the end of every year kind of a top five books for the year that I've read. And this book, Deep Work, was my number one book for the year a few years ago. I mean, it had such an impact on me to think about how I work and how I engage my work and how deeply 
I think about work. And so this, this episode is going to be a result of, uh, of working through this content. But, but more importantly, I think it's going to be driven by both of our passion around how this book has influenced us, you know? Absolutely. And that's, a, that's high praise for you, Scott, because both of us are avid readers, and um, especially you within your line of work, and especially on the leadership side of things. So that's high praise for this book. So here are the three levels of work that affect your energy more than you realize. And the first level of work is called surface work. Now, this level of work is defined as, well, it's simple, often repetitive tasks. Other phrases of it, busy work or shallow work. In fact, Cal Newport's definition of shallow work in his book, he says, and I quote, non-cognitively demanding logistical style tasks often perform while distracted. And we'll get real, really uh, pound on that word distracted. And these efforts tend to not create much new value in the world and are easily to repli- easily replicated. So think about random tasks as an example. So you can get some other descriptions, Scott. Yeah, yeah. You know, this would be the classic uh, 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 thing that we call no-brainer work, right, Brian? Nice. Like it doesn't take any thought. Okay, so here's some descriptions. Uh, you know, things that require a little to no effort, things that require little to no thought, uh, the things that come up that are urgent, but not really that important. You know, they just kind of, they take up our time. Uh, the things that can easily suck up our time far more than we realize, you know, especially in this world of, of, uh, of uh, email and that type of stuff. We're going to get into that later. You know, often, things that often give us a sense of kind of enjoyment, right? They suck us in and we don't even realize it. Um, a false sense of accomplishment. Yes, you know, that's, that's one of the things that was one of the most powerful things I learned from this book is, this surface level stuff actually makes it feel like we're doing something when we're that's really true. not. So that, that, that's a few descriptions. So yeah, I mean, some examples of that you gave one, Scott, you know, emails, and that's probably one of the biggest ones. And that's probably the one that's the most disillusional because we have a sense of we're getting something done and we'll dive into that a little bit further. Social media, that's a big one. And that just scroll and quick hit feel. Yeah. Uh, many meetings that we attend can really fall into this category. Uh, a number of phone calls that we experience, you know, in our work world, especially the corporate world, you know, lives in this level of work. You know, it's easy to hide behind doing service work because we look busy, Scott, you know, to others. And they can even believe the seduction of production that uh, we're really getting work done when we're just truly living in the surface area. Absolutely. You know, Brian, I tell you, one of the most fascinating facts that, that uh, Cal gave in, in the book was, is he talked about how things like Instagram on social media, why can we literally sit and get sucked into Instagram for 20, 30 minutes and, and not even think about it? He, he said it actually taps into the reward center of the brain, kind of like a drug does to where we literally, we get rewarded as we're looking through these pictures. It's amazing. We feel like we're getting things done when really we're getting nothing done, you know? So the, this idea of surface work is that we just kind of, we're scattered, you know? We can be all over the place exactly. while we're doing surface work. We're bouncing around from email to call to meeting to social media. And, you know, it doesn't really require much of us, yet it's amazing not only how much time it takes, but how much it can make us feel drained by the end of the day by always being in this reaction mode, right? Exactly. And I, you know, I can remember, especially prior to this book, Deep Work, just how many days that I was seemingly busy, as you mentioned, you know, all day. But then looking back, wondering, what did I really, really accomplish or even just get done? And, you know, the word for that is ugh. <laughs> I hated those days. You know, and now we do everything we can to minimize and specifically eliminate, 
you know, as much surface work as we can. And we'll get to that point as well. But no, I mean, there are elements of surface work, you know, such as emails and phone calls, you know, some meetings that are just part of our jobs. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. they're in your job, they're in my job. And I'm not saying, or nor are we saying that all of these areas are bad and then we have to avoid them at all costs. But we are saying that we spend so much time and far too much time often just kind of living in this certain level of this surface work yeah. that goes back to that, you know, gives us that level of seduction of production. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, Brian, it's, it's really true that we got to figure out what surface work we need to get done to actually kind of remain connected to our work and to our life. I mean, there are certain things we have to do, um, but you, you got to learn how to maximize the time with them. You can't allow those things just to, just to suck you in and just take up all of your time and energy. And, you know, one of the great things about the book, and I know you're going to, you you and I'll both encourage people if you're listening to this podcast and have not read the book, they got to go get the book and read the book. Cause you know, Cal will actually give ideas and thoughts about how do you manage these things to make sure they don't take over our day. But you know, if we truly want to get more productive at the end of the day, we have to consider the second level of work, which I know you're going to introduce to us. Exactly. So the first level was service work, and the second level is focus work. Now, focus work is, you know, it's the next logical step in one that requires, well, it requires growth because it's easy to stay in the surface work. But this surface work, it's, it's must get done. And so if we're going to do it, Scott, I mean, let's get as productive as we possibly can when we have to do the emails, the phone calls, the meetings, different elements of our job that are considered surface. Yeah. But did you catch that? This is not being scattered and it's focusing on one primary task. And it's, it's really leveraging these blocks of time that are distraction free. Again, yeah. keyword is what? distraction free and it's harder than you think i mean really oh, it is no a question, difficult man. thing no question you know what because honestly uh, most of us work in this really super distracted environment you know i mean let's give me let me give some examples i mean email alerts going off right like texting alerts you know the other day i had to turn off my instagram alerts because i'm getting blown up all the time just seeing somebody follow me right i'm like that's totally meaningless information i don't need to know that you know i mean phone rings and browsers open when we work and easily accessible, you know, and things can capture or grab our attention and take it away. Office interruptions, you know, someone's doing kind of a drive-by, you know, if, if we by accident leave our office door open a little bit, someone pokes their head in and you know what, and then we've lost just a crazy amount of time, right? Um, just by, just by being distracted, you know? And so, you know, I, I think um, here's the appeal. Okay. This is what we're really trying to get to with this next level of focus work. Um, you know, we have an attraction to distraction. So we have to remember that it, it, you know, it's exciting, it's fresh, it gives us a quick hit, you know, but, but it's an illusion, right? I mean, the, here's the appeal we want to make is we've got to recognize it's an illusion that we can multitask and actually get the most important things You're done. Exactly right. When in truth is, it's actually distracting us from the most important things. And so we have to be aware of what's going on. You know, awareness is really key. I mean, you know, we need to do everything we can to eliminate the distraction so we can maximize the second level of work. Yeah, and you're right, Scott. I mean, this focus work, I mean, it's, it's really the next step in progressing. And in order for us to do that, I mean, we have to create these distraction-free blocks of time. So let me give an example. 
So email is, is common to most of our jobs. I mean, my job requires email, you know, and I have to honor that request, but I'm not required to respond instantly all of the time, yep. which means, you know, I, I choose and I've worked through this and, and really tried to look at it going, okay, I don't have to have it open the entire time. I can look at key parts within my day where maybe it's first thing in the morning and then I check later on in the morning right before lunch and then after lunch at the end of the day, something like that, somewhat of a rhythm. But what I do, Scott, is I'll create this focus work of window of time, let's say, for example, 25 minutes, and I'm going to focus only on emails to get nothing else done. And you know what happens? Man, I crank out the emails yeah. in the 25 minutes because <laughs> I'm not responding to a message that comes through, a phone call that comes through. I'm taking that surface work. Yeah. I'm isolating it into a focused time block. And for that 25 minutes, man, it is game on and go after it. What, yeah. what about you, Scott? Yeah, so, you know, Brian, I think part of my day is structured. So I have a lot of meetings and stuff. So I feel like I do a pretty good job of not being uh, engaged in my email all throughout the day. But I'll tell you my big issue, when I get home in, at night and when I'm supposed to be engaged with and connected to my family or even going to sleep, I have found traditionally that I'd be looking at my phone and checking, you know, am I, am I missing anything? Did anything come in while I was away from work? Oh, it's so, so easy. What I've had to do is I've literally had to say, I'll get home and I'll put my phone on airplane mode and I'll stick it in a drawer somewhere so that I get time with my family. We can invest that time with my kids before they go to bed. Natalie and I can get some time together. And then I actually might, right before I go to bed, just pull it up real quick and take a, a three or four minute glance and say, hey, is there anything that would be maybe important for me just to hit, do a quick hit back tonight? Typically there's not. But man, just making sure that I shut it down at the end of the day has been super key for me. That's a good tip. That's a very, very good tip. And here's a key with focus work. It's looking for similar tasks that you can put together or batch them, if you want to use another word, so that you can focus only on that task for a preset period of time. So it's finding similar things. So if it's meetings and chunking them together, batching them together. If it's emails and batching them together. It's phone calls and batching them together. You know, the difference that that can make when you do that. You know, another example, like we talked about, is phone calls. Again, I can hammer through a number of calls and return calls if I can do a set period of time. So for me, sometimes what I'll do is I'll go for a walk and I will just go through it and know exactly, let's say that I've got a half an hour walk that I'm going to do 25 minutes or whatever. And I will go through, okay, these are the five phone calls I need to make, but I'll put them in order priority. So if the one takes the 25 minutes, that's the one I got done. If I have to end up leaving voicemails, I leave the voicemails and work through that. But, you know, it's prioritizing at the end of the day which call is most important so that I can maximize that block of time. Yeah, absolutely, Brian. You know, when we do this, this idea of focus work is a huge improvement from surface work. I mean, it allows you to be more productive, more focused without a doubt. In fact, focus work really requires us kind of to do two things. One is removing the distractions, right? Like you got to put almost a quarantine on those distractions. And then then you got to schedule focus blocks of time like you talked about, you know, during your day or for me, it happens to be, you know, at at night and just taking a couple minutes, but, but leaving, you know, leaving the phone down the rest of the time. I mean, this idea of scheduling is huge because if you want to be truly productive and effective, you've got to schedule the focus block or the time block ahead of time because if not, man, that distraction mode is just going to pull you away. Big time. And it's never going to happen. It just will simply not happen. You know, in regards to scheduling, it's a really good point, Scott. I mean, it is really a science and an art, you know, and the science is knowing exactly what you need to do and when. So for example, you know, an email focus block from nine o'clock to nine twenty-five a.m. is one of mine, but the art is really knowing how often you'll need to have that specific focus block. Yeah. I mean, when are ideal times? 
Um, how do you best maximize those times? And I think that's part of the learning, the growing part, Scott, where we mentioned of going from level one of service work, getting into level two focus work where you are scheduling, but then having the freedom for both the science of it and the art of it. Yeah. And, you know, but oftentimes, you know, I don't move the needle much in this area on these areas for work that truly, truly matters. Yeah, and these require a whole different level and leads us into the third level of work, which is considered deep work. So there we've go. gone from level yeah. one service work, level two into focus work. And now we're really getting into, yeah. well, what kind of this deep desire many of us have, which is what we call our best work. We reach the punchline, man. It's deep work. You got it. You got <laughs> it. And, you know, you can only determine... Only you can determine what is your best work, right, Scott? And how yeah. you can accomplish your best work. And your best work comes from the phrase you just used, deep work. Yeah, man, I tell you, this is something I'm so passionate about, not only personally, but Brian, you know that, that a lot of the work I do with leaders is uh, taking them into places of whether it's retreat or whether it's daily of silence and stillness and learning how to listen, learning how to get super clear about what are the most important important things in my life. You know, this level of work is defined as the ability to focus without distraction on a cognitively challenging task. You know, the, now the, mis, the, misperce, the misperception or misconception, honestly, that, that I hear a lot is, well, yeah, of course, I, I, you know, I, I already do that. But honestly, man, I would argue that most of us, if we really got honest with ourselves, we'd have to admit that, you know, the right answer is, yeah, of course I do that. But the real answer is, we very rarely get to this place because this has to be cultivated. We have to be intentional with this deep work. You know, the, the proof is in the lack of true, meaningful work that actually gets accomplished on any given day. You know, they say the law of productivity is, you know, the high quality work that's produced uh, equals time spent uh, times intensity of focus. That's you know, good. Put, Can you say that again? Because I yeah. remember that from the book. High quality work produced equals time spent times intensity of focus. So let me put it another way. Cal says this in the book. He says the type of work that optimizes your performance is deep work. This is the best of who we are. You know, and why is deep work so rare and hard to do? Well, here's just a couple of quick reasons. and We've kind of referenced them a little bit. But I think the first one is we naturally choose the path of least resistance. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just simply easier to check email, make a phone call, check online, and then, you know, obviously turn to social media. Yeah. And it's just easy to do that. And I think number two is we're a society of the attraction to distraction, a quote yeah. that you had used earlier. I mean, we love that quick hit, Scott, like you mentioned, of scrolling social media, you know, the ding of a text or an email. You know, we're used to, well, and addicted to that on-demand distraction, which is a quote that or a term that Cal Newport calls it. And once you're wired for, for distraction, I mean, we crave it. And I think it's just so easy to just live in that specific world. And even why focus work, Scott, yep. is difficult. Because even if we choose to do focus work for 25 or 30 minutes, that means distraction-free. And that's a difficult thing to do. So yep. one more time, you know, let's, let's uh, say that phrase that you used, the description of deep work, which was, number one, the ability to focus without distraction, which is hard enough to do. Mm -hmm. And then number two, on a cognitively challenging task. So how do you begin to practice deep work, Scott? Yeah, yeah. So, Brian, let me give a couple of real practical thoughts on this. Uh, the first thing is 
be willing to be bored. And I know that's not a satisfying answer, right? Like yeah. be willing to be bored. Who wants to be bored? You know, it's funny. My, my 11 year old son who's getting ready to go into middle school. You know, we're in the middle of summer right now. Of course we've done some vacations and you know, we keep telling our kids your summer off is not, it's, it's, uh, it's time off from school, but it doesn't mean it's vacation. Like we get to just, we're going to do things all the time, all summer. In fact, he'll come to me and say, dad, man, I'm bored. And he kind of rolls his eyes now because I've gotten into a habit of saying to him, Hey buddy, who told you you should never be bored? Yeah, that's a great response. Bored is the mother of creativity, right? I mean, it's those spaces where we have time to really think deeply. It's those times when we turn off the phone or turn off the tablet or turn off the internet or, or turn off the television, right? And we have these moments. In fact, Brian, one of the most important moments of my day is that I have made it a habit every morning when, after I get out of bed and transition. I go downstairs to my leather couch and I take between five and 10 minutes of just silent time uh, to essentially be bored. I'm not working on anything. I'm not reading anything. I'm not writing. I'm sitting in silence. I'm telling you, that time uh, has been so incredibly helpful for me that when I don't take the time to do it, it changes the entire tenor of my day. It's that powerful. So that's huge. And if I could add to that, you know, Cal talks about in the book, a quick sign of that is where how quickly you turn to your phone when you have a split second to be bored, you know, whether it's in <laughs> yeah, your car totally. to stoplights, you know, and that's not here about talking about texting while driving, but when you're at a stoplight, yeah. you know, it's in, um, you're waiting in line at the grocery store or wherever else and how quickly we turn to our phone. And that should be a huge indicator of that attraction to distraction. Absolutely, man. You're, you're right on. You know, the second thing that I think is important to how you can begin practicing deep work at, at, at a really uh, practical level is to meditate productively. What do I mean by that? Well, the goal is to take a period in which you're occupied physically, but not mentally. So, I mean, things like walking or jogging or driving or showering. You know, I, it's funny, man. I, I run with a running partner, and we have a, we have a great time but he's a guy that loves to have in his earbuds. And I don't, man. When I run, I don't want earbuds in. I don't want music. It's actually one of the most productive times just to process those really deep, important things that I'm working on and focusing my attention on those well-defined professional or honestly, sometimes even personal problems that I need to work through in my mind, uh, making sure that I'm taking those times, jogging, jogging, driving. Don't turn on the radio, right? I mean, just leave it off. And give yourself that space to think, you know. So I, I think we have to be aware of the distractions. You know, we, we notice when our attention is slipping away, like you mentioned, Brian, to our phone or something. And even put some reminders in our life, right? Like uh, some things that could gently remind us uh, uh, that, that, that we, need to, we need to return maybe to that thought later but we can redirect our attention back. Brian, I don't know if you have any ideas maybe on how, how you can do that. How do you do that? How do you remind yourself? I, you know, my brain does that too often. I think that's part of that ADHD side of me, which um, is a gift and a curse. But to your point, you know, if all of a sudden I am going for a walk or a run and I'm working on one concept to meditate productively, just one idea. And when I'm working through that and all of a sudden, boom, I find myself jumping back to that. It is, it's just simply going, I can write it down. Sometimes I'll put it in my phone. If the, if the thought or whatever, get it on my brain yeah. and then go back to the thought at hand. That's and uh, you got another tip too about structuring your, you know, your deep thinking. Yeah, so I think we need to structure it as well. You know, we have to determine the problems that we want to work through. We got to get clear about that. You know, a big part of the work I do with people is you got to write this down. Brian, I'm such a big proponent of not just typing in the computer, but studies have shown us, psychologists tell us that when we put pen to paper, it 
it ex it's exponentially more powerful than even typing the same information down in a computer. And so you know, I tell people, write down the problem, make sure you're clear about what you need to work through and then define the next steps, right? Like get the pen to paper, define what do I need to do? What do I need to think about? What's my next step here? And then consolidate your gains by reviewing clearly the answers you've identified. So this idea of don't just do it once, go back to it and review it. Make sure that you really get it solidified in your mind and heart at a deep level. And it is hard. I mean, this is a, an exercise of deep work that yeah. Cal Newport talks about in the book. If you don't believe me, just try your next shower or your next walk. Or for me, when I've got some windshield time to not have the radio on, nothing on, come into that moment of time with one thought of what you need to work yeah. through. What's the next step you need to do? And just for five minutes, wrestle with yeah. it. And you will it, be amazed how difficult it is. You know, Brian, uh, one of the things that stood out to me is, as Cal was beginning the book was he, he made a comment that just really, really challenged me. He said, we've never been a culture that's had more of a need for deep thinking. And yet we've never, there's never been a culture that lives more at the shallow thinking level. It's just great so line. important, you know. So, I, Brian, I think you I, you have some. I think you have some great kind of work, uh, deep deep work rules that maybe you've kind of thought up, thought of, or come to. Yeah, and I think this is kind of a starting point because obviously this is new to us, and it does require, ironically enough, Scott, level two, which is focused work. So it is taking that time block of time and carving out the time, planning ahead when you'll be at your best. And I think one thing that's important that, that uh, is referenced in the book is that. D the deep work is not supposed to be eight hours a day. We can't live in eight hours nope, of work nope. of that. They say that the best people who can do this four hours is the max of time. Yep. Now for most of us, when we start, I think we should try with four minutes and you know, <laughs> seriously, you know, per that meditating productively point that you brought up earlier, but we got to carve out a time, you know, plan ahead when you're going to be at your best and really walk into that. Yep. I think number two, and this is kind of order of the, to work your way into it. You got to choose a distraction free deep work location. Yep. So let me give you an example. When I'm not traveling and I'm working from home and my wife homeschools our younger kids and uh, it is not a distraction-free environment for long periods of time, especially to do deep work. Now, it's good to do service work that I can schedule, which is the obviously the, um, the focus work. But if I really want to wrestle with something too and I've got too many things in my office, I'm going to head out. And for me, that location is, is I get a room at the library. I've got a great library here in the Chicagoland area. And I can get my own room in there and I take only the necessities, which is usually pen and paper and my computer if I'm an Evernote or something else with there. And I really get deep into that. Number three is be incredibly prepared. I mean, distraction proof, but you also need the necessary resources that you're going to take in to work through that. So sometimes for me, that may mean a whole bunch of post-it notes and I'm going to spend nothing but just creativity time that you referenced earlier, Scott but I got to be prepared. If it's markers or whatever the resources that I'm going to use, books that I'm going to read, whatever, I've got to be prepared. Hey, Brian, you know, I, think, I think you're getting old because I think you just did your second point twice. So I think your third point is be patient. <laughs> oh, good point. Well, I think I added, no, I chose another one in there. I, I threw it in there at, uh, at no additional charge, Scott. See, that's wisdom. I had to give old. you a hard time, man. <laughs> as, as you should. And you know, you know my aging right here. That's good. Uh, yeah, and actually your, your point is, is well taken on there. We've got to be patient. I mean, it's going to take time to get in the zone if all of a sudden five or 10 minutes in and you're craving that distraction, that, that should tell you something, you know? And also it's going to be something that's going to say, hey, man, I've, it's going to work this muscle. I mean, this deep work is a muscle that's got to get developed and it's going to take time to get in the flow or get into the zone. 
And I think the last one is, you know, be aware, you know, resistance is going to come yep. and, you know, early to avoid your deep work and it's going to tempt you and it by distractions, that quick hit. Um, there's a book that um, I read. I'm not sure if you've read this, Scott, but it's called the art of work by Stephen. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Great and, book. It's really any the battle of anything that is creative or new or deep thinking, in this case, deep work, is going to come across as resistance. It's going to do everything it can to throw you off of this game. Yeah, absolutely, Brian. You know, one of the things, too, that I think is really important is, is this isn't just our responsibility as individuals. One of the things that I've learned over time is, you know, I, I have a, I'm a leader of teams. And so I have to train my team, not only encourage them to do their own deep work, but I've actually had to train my team and in, 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 um uh, to understand when I'm creating space for my deep work. So I'll give you a good example of this real practical level. My team knows that if my office door is shut, uh, don't, don't come knock and don't, you know, just uh, I'm doing some things. And, and if they happen to see me sitting by myself and it's shut, they actually really know that I'm doing some deeper work. But I've kind of coached them and said, hey, listen, if, I, really good, Scott. if, if, if my door is open, you know, it's, it's game on, you know, I'm, I'm wide open, but if my door is shut, uh, then I've, I've got some things I'm working on and uh, come back later. <laughs> That's excellent. That's excellent. You know, and in the end, deep work is going to do three things. And what are they, Scott? Well, I think the first thing it's going to do is it's going to stretch us quite a bit. Yeah. You know, it, this is swimming upstream in our culture because we are just distracted and distractible and we're such a, you know, a good word I like to use is we're such a consumptive culture, right? Like we want to be doing a hundred things at a time and we want to be accomplishing and we want to be, I mean, we're all over the map. And so this is really going to stretch us. We're, you know, we're, uh, you're going to find out and discover just how much we prefer to be distracted. Why? Because it's so much easier to kind of live in that distracted zone. Uh, so it's going to stretch us. Second thing is, is it's going to teach us to concentrate. Um, it's going to teach us how to really maximize kind of our mind and our heart to get engaged with the things that truly matter. And in and, and learning how to concentrate, you know, I've, I've done a, a lot of work over the last 10 years in meditation, that type of work. You know, I mentioned silence and solitude, and, and I'm telling you, it takes time to figure out how to concentrate. Typically, it takes at least, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes for me just to get the stinking thinking out of my head, right? <laughs> nice. Like it just, I can be sitting there and all of a sudden I got tomorrow's schedule and the conversation I need to have with my wife and what I'm going to do for dinner tomorrow night, you know, these things just creep in. And so, you know what, you're going to learn how to be, first of all, gentle with yourself. Don't, don't be hard on yourself, but just learn how to let it go and you'll learn how to concentrate. And I'll tell you why that's so important and why I love it. Because when we learn how to concentrate, what we begin to discover is it produces incredible results in our life, both personally and in our families and in our business and in our work. I'm telling you, it just is awesome. You know, Brian, I feel like I'm still learning this stuff and still trying to get better at it. But man, as I have read books like this and if we, as, as I've engaged these practices that we're talking about, it's just amazing when you get to end of days and you kind of, you get in the car driving home and go, you know what, that day really made a difference. So, you know, I was a lot and I hope people will go grab the book, but Brian, you got any last comments as we kind of come here to the close of our podcast? Yeah. You know, I, I, your last line was, was exactly where I was. My line of thinking was it's worth the price. You know, it's a lot more difficult than you think. But it is worth the effort that of where the results come. When I look in any given day, a majority of the time, almost overwhelming 
my best work came from as a result of my deep work, but it also came from my preparation, you know? So sometimes a focus time, that second level, that focus level is just a preparation time, taking that 25, 30 minutes or so of a time block to prepare so that when I go into deep work, I can really, really maximize that time. And, you know, I love that. Actually, a lot of these podcast episodes are a result of just spending some time in deep work. You know, uh, the different projects that we're working on come as a result of deep work. Yeah. Um, what about you, Scott? Any, any um, comments here? No, I just think that it's important for people to get started. You know, Brian, I think a lot of times when we talk about this journey, it can be kind of overwhelming. It, you know, it's like, oh, where do I start? And you, we start off with these grand visions of I'm going to dedicate, like you said, four hours and it, and it just falls apart on us. And, and so I think, you know, I, what's the old statement I, I, I've heard, you know, how do you eat an elephant, you know, one bite at a time, right? And so, man, if you just took that four minute slot, so you know what, I'm going to give this a shot for four minutes. And then, you know, I'm going to give us a shot for 10 minutes. I'm going to give it a shot for 40 minutes. You know, it's just going to take time. But if you'll just get started, even if it's just bite sized chunks of your day, you will learn how to do this and you will live into investing more and more and more time. And what you'll discover is the result will be that more and more of your time invested really turns out to be more and more significant results of the time you're investing in your life. So I just say, read the book, get started, and uh, it'll be amazing to see what happens. The Energy Edge podcast is sponsored by 5MinuteEnergyKickstart.com. Most of us are just plain tired. Our pace far outruns our energy, yet we just keep going. We quickly move from busy to beat down to burnout. And sometimes we pull this off by the end of the same day, and it's Monday. What we need is a reminder that there's another way, a kickstart to get us thinking and to get us going in the right direction. 5MinuteEnergyKickstart.com offers three five-minute videos on the topics of sleep, nutrition, and fitness movements, where a problem is discussed and two energy kickstart challenges are offered. Why? Well, because we all need a kickstart from time to time. The best part about it is the only thing it will cost you is a few minutes of your time because the video series is absolutely free. So check out 5MinuteEnergyKickstart.com today. If you're like most people, you know that writing in a journal is a powerful practice. In fact, some of the most successful people in the world, like Oprah Winfrey, Tyler Perry, and Blake Mykoski, the founder of Tom's Shoes, say that writing in a journal is one of their most important personal development practices. However, if you're like most people, you've struggled to actually stay committed to writing each day. I mean, you might write for three days and then not again for three years. It just seems too hard to start and stick with the practice. Well, listen, this is where Write One Line comes in because we don't want you to be like most people. We want you to, to start and stick with the important practice of writing in a journal by making it simple. So here it is. Just take 60 seconds a day to write one line. That's all you have to do. Don't worry about writing a book or a novel. 60 seconds a day to write one line. Write a memory, a dream, an idea. It doesn't matter what you write. It actually matters that you write. You'll discover if you'll do this, you'll develop this habit daily of writing. And so we've developed a great 
leather journal to help you get started. It's a journal you'll want to use, and we include with that a journal companion guide to help you get started. If you'd like to learn more, check us out at writeoneline, that's W-R-I-T-E-O-N-E, line.com. You can read more about our journals as well as purchase them there. So wrapping this episode up, let's talk about a couple different what nows and next steps because obviously we want to make sure that this is not overwhelming amount of information for you and that you've got some tangible next steps. So I'll give the first and Scott will give the second. I think the first one, besides read the book, <laughs> yep. deep work, is determine what level is the next one you need to take and develop it. So for example, if you, if you realize you're living in surface work, figure out what you need to do, what needs to stay, and then move to level two to focus work. And if you're in focus work and you feel like that's what you're doing right now, stretch yourself and, and go into some depth and move into deep work. Start doing the, the, the productive meditations and other examples that we gave and to really work from there. And one thought on the book, if you do buy the book, which I highly recommend, there's different options. I mean, you can get as simple as the cliff notes. Um, you can buy the book. For me, I got the audiobook and the book. I listened to the audiobook a couple times, and then I found myself going back to the book because I drive a lot. So it allowed me to listen to it and then go back to the book as well. It was worth every penny buying both the book and the audiobook. Thanks for making it to this point in the podcast. Mad kudos, especially on a topic about work. Hopefully it wasn't work you listening to it, but hopefully you gained so much rich content out of this. And as always, we value your time and here to help you gain an energy edge. So go and get your energy edge on today through focused and deep work.